Welcome, everyone, to the WaxCast podcast. I am your host, Gavin Wax. Today is episode seven, and I am happy to be joined by a good friend of mine, Mr. Matt Tiermond, who serves on the board of Project Veritas. He's a board of advisors, member of the New York Young Republican Club, and a independent journalist and a member of the infamous Pierogi Gang, which helped expose Hunter Biden, his laptop, and all his CD infamous photos that have uh, tra- traversed the internet. I can't even speak. But anyway, Matt, thank you for joining. Yeah, well, just to clarify, we're more like acquaintances than friends. Just clarified. For oh, the thank you. Yes, of, fair, fair, fair. We, 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 we know each other in passing through some social circles, but um, not that not that close by any means. But anyway, I wanted to have you on because uh, it seems that you and uh, the rest of the Pro Geek Gang have been redeemed uh, with all the latest uh, information that's coming out about Hunter Biden, about the emails, about the scandal. The entire mainstream media was running cover for him. We had that hack uh, masquerading as a journalist, Christiane Amanpour, or however you, however you say her name, uh, just completely rebuked. And uh, everything that you guys really uncovered about the Hunter Biden uh, you know, laptop seems to have been true based on the investigation that was going back a few years. What do you have to say about all this? Well, uh, to clarify, there are three tranches of data that came out in the weeks leading up to the election on Hunter Biden and the gang around him and the connections to Joe Biden and China and Ukraine and many other theaters of absurd third world business activity. Uh, there was the laptop that was uh, put forward by uh, by Steve Bannon or Rudy Giuliani. They got it and uh, exposed what was on it. And it was certainly authenticated, no matter what the provenance was. Uh, then there was uh, Tony Bobolinsky, honorary pierogi gang member. We don't even know if he knows he's in the pierogi gang, but he is. Uh, he was drafted into this pierogi you know, gang. I, I got to be honest with you. The pierogi gang doesn't exist in the uh, terrestrial world. It's only a uh, internet construct. Sorry to you know, kill the Easter bunny. And stand I, I was imagining a bunch of Polacks just roaming the streets, just looking for clues, you know, like the Hardy Boys, just a little more Slavic. Um, way more Slavic than the Hardy Boys. <laughs> I think they're from like Connecticut or something. The uh, Hardy Boys, oh, or maybe that was Nancy Drew. I don't know. My childhood lit is so far, so far in the past. Uh, the Pierogi Gang was Bobolinsky, Pasobic, Tiermond, and uh, we actually had some polls on there. Wojciech Pavelczyk, uh, shout out to Wojciech, and uh, Dominic Tarczynski, who we got to get to New York to do some events around after COVID. Uh, but so you had the uh, you had the Steve Bannon, Rudy Giuliani laptop, you had Tony Bobolinsky, and you had the stuff I did very, very independently and very I mean, the, the, the way I got it is, you know, right out of a movie. Uh, and I brought Peter Schweitzer and his team into it because we needed some more research muscle. But this was Bevan Cooney. Bevan Cooney was uh, Hunter Biden's business partner. And, and Devin Archer's the ringleader. So, I mean, there's a cast of characters here. Devin Archer's the, uh, the, the real sort of brains behind the influence peddling and money laundering operation they were running. Uh, Hunter Biden was obviously used for his name. You, one of the things that is consistent in all of the activity that's audited uh, around him is that he didn't really know much. He didn't really do much. He was there to open doors and get access to the corridors of power to effectuate bad stuff. Uh, but he uh, he was rather unwitting in some ways because he wasn't much of a wit. I mean, the guy's a moron and you can see it in his communications. You can see it in uh, his engagement. Uh, but Devin Archer was the ringleader and Bevan Cooney was working with them. And Bevan Cooney was in prison in Oregon. And I knew a guy because I know a lot of guys. I'm acquainted to a lot of 
uh, unsavory fellows like yourself, Mr. Wax. So another uh, unsavory. Uh, no, he's actually a pretty good guy who made some bad decisions, but a guy who's uh, who was in the same facility in Oregon uh, with uh, with Mr. Cooney uh, and guy I know for you know, three or four years. And so he reached out to me in October uh, or actually late September and s- explained to me that he was in there with him and that uh, Bevan wanted to make public uh, what he was sitting on. And I spoke to Bevan and he gave me access and agreed that I can share with uh, Peter Schweitzer. And uh, we got, I always say this for the future court cases, should we have a, uh, a changing of the guard in January. Uh, I had full written authorization on signed documents that gave myself and Peter Schweitzer access to his emails. Um, so we logged into his Gmail and we spent quite a few weeks working uh, 20 hour days, putting together the constellation of fact pattern that uh, that demonstrated some really over the top stories, money laundering for a Russian mob tied crony Putin tied oligarch, uh, China stuff. I mean, the Bohai harvest, some of the deals they did take buying American companies uh, with the uh, not only the imprint, imprimatur, but the uh, the aid and abetment by Max Backus, uh, the former senator of Montana, who was Obama's uh, ambassador to China. And they did this deal. They did these deals in his office in Beijing in the uh, U.S. embassy. So everything they uh, accused China, Trump of, essentially, it was all self-projection of their own crimes, their own misdeeds, their own seedy, shady underworld connections with Russians and Chinese and oligarchs and mobsters, everything you could imagine from a movie. Uh, Hunter oh, yeah. Biden and this Biden clan was involved with. Am I right? Oh, oh my God! There, I mean, uh, it, was, it was Pelican brief stuff, uh, and just you know the dealing with. And you and I spoke offline about you know the stuff that was going on. Uh, after Bannon and, and, you know, everyone trying to in the Southern District uh, after Bannon was rather uh, rambunctious and listening into calls and stuff. And so there's well, I'm uh, sure they're listening now too, Matt. So don't say, too I, much, I, you know, I only see 93 people. They're busy. <laughs> they're doing, they're doing stuff. That is fair. But listen, um, what, did, now we know that this has been being investigated by the FBI for the last, what, two, three years. Do you think they're actually going to do a real investigation? Do you think there's going to be a real case or is this just a way to clear him? Well, I actually think, as, as uh, our mutual acquaintance Raheem Kassam uh, suggested, the stitches in, and this is a way, you know, here we do it, we're going to release this during the lame duck, and we're going to allow this to be part of the narrative during the lame duck ahead of Biden, so that way they can say, should Biden come in, which they are convinced he will, because they're coercing the world in this giant coup that we'll discuss, uh, they'll say, oh no, this has already been uh, litigated, this has already been uh, examined, nothing to see here, we knew there was nothing to see here from the beginning, right. but then, you know, investigation, uh, like Swalwell says about his Chinese mistress, oh, it's a Russian op uh, organized by Trump. They'll say they'll they'll go back to that refrain, uh, which is obviously, you know, incredibly bogus. But what we knew is when I went on Laura Ingram to talk about this uh, the uh, the first time, uh, we put forward a bunch of stuff in the Russian, especially the Russian money laundering angle. And then a couple days later, uh, James Rose, I think it was James Rose or somebody at Fox broke that there was an active investigation. There had been an active investigation out of the Baltimore field office of the FBI uh, about money laundering around Hunter Biden and crew. So there was an investigation. We didn't know at the time whether it was active or not. Now we know it's still active, which I, I when I did, you know, a bunch of media hits, I said it. It's probably still active. I don't think that they uh, adjudicated or ascertained anything that would have been exculpatory because we have smoking guns. We're watching. Right. It. I put forward these emails 
that showed uh, that they were getting, uh, uh, you know, this Russian mob tied, Putin tied oligarch uh, bank through J.P. Morgan. And they were trying through Morgan Stanley and this uh, other sort of crony, crony entity, uh, Bank of California. And this the whole flow of events to circumvent OFAC and Treasury sanctions lists and watch lists. Uh, so, you know, I actually think and I said this to uh, staffers, uh, Ron Johnson staffers, he did the out of the uh, Senate uh, Homeland uh, Committee, uh, the original investigation that showed that there was a financial tie between the, this Russian mob tied oligarch and uh, and Hunter Biden and crew. And there was money transfer. Uh, I I'd suggested to them, like, really, they should be looking at uh, at J.P. Morgan and Skadden Arps because we had the email smoking guns that these guys were not only complicit, they were effectuating, they were accomplices. Uh, it wasn't that they were just going along. But I mean, J.P. Morgan, their emails talking about how, well, J.P.'s nervous. She's on a watch list. But you know what? She hasn't been convicted of anything. And, you know, if you're on Wall Street and you do KYC or AML, like I know your customer anti-money laundering uh, uh, work or you, you have to adhere to these standards uh, like that doesn't fly. Uh, you know, uh, Kim Jong-un hasn't been convicted of anything either. Uh, you know, Stalin wasn't convicted of anything. Uh, Fidel Castro was not. We had an embargo with Cuba. Fidel Castro was not convicted of anything. So conviction right. is not the metric. It's not the barometer. It's the metric it's, of morality. Yeah, it's it's what you've done and what you can tie to. I mean, you know, all, the WikiLeaks cables from 2010-11 showed this, uh, this batarina was like super mob tied and like among the most uh, brutal of the Russian mafia were like her construction site enforcers. So, like, it's not like this is incrementally new stuff. This was part of the the body of work uh, on her that the State Department, that Treasury Department had already done. And so this is the 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 person that they're doing business with to launder money to bring it into the U.S. banking system to do investments, including they're talking about investments in a, a Nevada solar project with uh, state tax credits. I'm pretty sure the Nevada legislature did not pass that state tax credit program so that a Russian mob tied Putin tied oligarch living in exile London could get access to that marketplace. Oh, the graft, it never ends. It's so deep and uh, the webs are so far out, but I'm glad we have independent journalists like you who are actually doing the work of where the mainstream media should have been to investigate this. I mean, you're not tied to any corporate outlet. You don't have a massive budget. You're not getting funded. You're doing this on your own through your own shady connections, which we're not going to go into. But it's great that you did it because we seem to have exposed one of the biggest political corruption scandals, or as Trump would call it, the second biggest political corruption scandal. The first was him being spied on. Maybe you have to, maybe you disagree. Yeah. There, there's um, so many. I mean, to do, uh, it's all, uh, why we, why would we even be subjective or try and quantify the scale of corruption? It's all bad shit. Yeah. It's really, really Of bad. course, of course. I mean, it, it, you're just talking. Yeah. The research tape. And they're all tied together. It's all tied together. It's all the same actors. It's all the same players. It's all the I, same. I, I believe that Chinese uh, academic who was on, uh, who gave that lecture in, uh, I don't know, I guess it was Beijing, uh, that's been floating around when he calls it, the, he calls it the deep state. He basically yeah. has a bright bar. He divided society yeah. into three, into three tiers. The, yeah. the inner party, basically the outer party, and then the proles, very Orwellian. And you just basically called them out. Like they're all these stupid people who don't know what's going on. You have the inner party, which is just smart enough to be complicit, but not smart enough to really benefit, uh, outer party, but are not smart enough to actually benefit. Then you have the inner party, these people who are actually behind these deals and uh, profiting off the rest of us. But uh, it, it's crazy what's going on, and I'm glad that you you were able to expose it. The only shame is that it wasn't picked up and drilled into uh, by the mainstream media. So well, this really did. I mean, not to the extent that, of course, all the other like Russia Gate and all the other nonsense did. If they got a fraction of the media time 
well, um, that these other made-up uh, conf- uh, conspiracies did, then this may have had a bigger impact on the election. Wouldn't you agree? Of course, but that's the point. Uh, the point is that the media is not the media. The media is historically conceptually devised as the fourth estate. They're true right. to the power. Who watches the watchers? Well, they're as I mean, I actually just did a, a podcast. They're part of the other three estates where we talk about it. Well, the, their uh, their role now, and this is these are the people who run the media that in 1967, 68 to 1974, 75 were coming of age. Uh, the baby boomers who grew up in the indulged 50s uh, yeah. and then came out and joined the SDS and 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 burned shit down and university sit-ins and Kent State and these people who were protesting in the name of social justice and growing up now on Alinskyite tactics to make a better world uh, a ver- and very much uh, hewing against their parents' world, which was conservative, you know, the country club suburbs. Uh, it was very much the early stages of the major social justice takeover of the American left. And so they it's became going to get worse. The next generation is only going to be, is going to make well, them the conservatives. Don't you agree? No, no, no. These people are, they're nihilists who, who are tactically uh, in bed with Alinsky or philosophically in bed with Alinsky. And to them, it's socialist utopia is the end goal. They're not going to get, well, hopefully they're not going to get that into the U.S. because of the Constitution, because we are a silent majority uh, conservative, mildly conservative center-right society. But right now we're at the precipice of when the Constitution could be negated and nullified in full. Uh, and that is in large part due to the media, due to the collusion media, political left, institutional left, think tanks, uh, and whatnot uh, with big tech. The mechanisms of distribution are being controlled by those same radical activists uh, who have given birth intellectually. This is their progeny, the Jack uh, Dorseys of the world and big tech. Uh, They are controlling messaging and narrative and distribution. And that's pretty deadly. And they're tampering with reality right now on this election uh, where Trump won in a landslide. I mean, I, I stand by my prediction. I don't think that these uh, four states that we're going to be uh, taking the Supreme Court next week, and we will be, uh, plus uh, Arizona, Nevada, which we should be uh, in there uh, for different reasons. Uh, but we should not included. What's that? It is strange that those two states were left out. Well, there's reasons because it's so centralized. Uh, I mean, it's centralized in uh, in the other states as well. But uh, Nevada, Clark County, and uh, Maricopa County in Arizona are machines just like Milwaukee, Detroit, Atlanta. Right. Uh, and, yeah, I don't understand the full calculus. I mean, look, the, the constitutionality in Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, the breach between legislative and executive branch uh, on the state level, uh, their roles uh, is very, 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 very clear. And so I think that's going to be disposed of. In a, well, let's in a talk about this. Let's, let's, let's break this out. Let's talk about the fraud. Let's talk about the coup. Uh, they're all kind of tied together. I mean, you seem pretty positive. Are you, are you, are you, you sure you want to talk about it? Because YouTube will then purge your video. Twitter will purge your video. No, no election fraud talk will be, uh, will be allowed. Well, we won't put it in the title, but we'll talk about it. They can come after us. Um, and you know, you're, I, don't you're, guess, ever, I don't know. Ever since last Thursday, you're fearless. Fearless, fearless. What, what, what do we it's have to do? to see how you say your guys descended. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, they already littered my neighborhood calling me a white nationalist, so there's not much more they can do. Okay, but you know, knocking down my door. In defense of Luke O'Brien and his merry band of HuffPo and whatever other Yutz uh, outlet uh, uh, anti-fascists, the neighbors have a right to know. 
Fair. Thank you. You're right. You're right. They do have a right to know. And I'm, and I'm going to be po- putting up similar posters in your neighborhood before you leave in March, letting them know, uh, you know, what kind of seedy individual you are. But anyway, uh, you seem pretty- everyone knows that because I don't wear a mask very often. So they yes. well, when, you, when you do wear a mask, it's like a Trump mask or a Loomer mask. Yeah, exactly. You make your you make your uh, affiliations known. But you seem pretty confident. I mean, you were confident pre-election. You seem pretty confident now. You think this new Texas suit, which is going straight to the Supreme Court because it's filed by a state, has, I believe, 26 states now. You yeah. think this is our best shot of all the other legal funnels and this legal actions? All the legal funnels it were all leading to getting a, uh, a, a plurality of those who have standing together to present evidence in the highest court, right? We're dealing with the state Supreme Courts, and the state Supreme Courts, in places where there are state governments, like governors, lieutenant governors, secretaries of state, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan, uh, they're not, those are, you know, state Supreme Courts are elected and they are left there. I mean, look, they're dismissing these cases with prejudice before they hear evidence. And there's right. a evidence. We were presenting evidence in legislative hearings starting in Pennsylvania all through all six of these states. And the evidence is overwhelming. It's an avalanche. You can't dismiss a case with prejudice before hearing an evi- before hearing the evidence. Evidentiary hearing. hearing. The whole concept of with prejudice is don't waste the court's time. The evidence sucks. Well, if you don't right. hear the evidence, you can't make that judgment. It's not a procedural dismissal. It's it, they're they're claiming to dismiss it for lack of substance, but they're not allowing the substance to get to the the hearing, which is it's, it's insane. But it's, I don't think any of the legal strategies were ever based on winning in these lower courts no, no, in the jurisdiction. Anyway, this, if anything, fast tracks it up, which is a yes. positive thing to the yeah, federal yeah, court. To you, couldn't, you, you couldn't win in a state Supreme Court like Pennsylvania and, or get a fair hearing. And by the way, my favorite was when uh, when the Pennsylvania uh, federal district judge uh, for the uh, for the Eastern District of Pennsylvania, Matt Brand, Matthew Brand, who was an Obama appointee, dismisses it as well. And then CNN and all those chuckleheads runs out conservative judge. What's their predicate or their evidence point for him being a conservative judge that he uh, attended a FedSoc meeting or he spoke on a panel or something? The guy was probably doing oppo when he was a law student on FedSoc and they're calling a conservative right. justice. The guy was an Obama appointee. Obama doesn't appoint. He went to one FedSoc event and in, in, um, yep. maybe 50, 60 years of his life. I don't know how old he is. And now he's some kind of arch conservative. That's hilarious. But yeah, uh, so, so I mean, we have the criminal stuff going on with like Sidney Powell, Lynn Wood. That's got a lot of criticism. You have the Trump main legal team. They, they have a separate uh, filing in, in, in Georgia and a few other state level suits. Then you have this Texas case with everyone jumping on. Now the now Letitia James here in New York wants to file a countersuit against Texas. Texas to counter. What do you make of all this nonsense? It's just a, a massive legal brawl ensuing. I mean, I was alive in 2000. I was in college. I mean, you're too young. Were you even born yet? Uh, funny, funny. Yeah, I, I, I wasn't even conceived yet. No. Oh, I'm so happy you are here. Uh, I was alive in, in 2000, uh, Bush v. Gore, and this is the game. I mean, this is welcome to lawfare. Welcome to political lawfare. Yeah, they're going to they're going to file motions nonstop to dismiss. Uh, and hopefully SCOTUS hears the case. I think but they do will. you think SCOTUS would be willing to come out and invalidate hundreds of thousands of ballots, which would be needed to overcome the results? Do you think SCOTUS has the, the excuse my, my, my Yiddish, the chutzpah, the balls, the backbone to uh, really overturn this fraudulent election? Do you think they'll do it? Because as Trump has been tweeting, it requires courage. It requires some sort of conviction. Are we going to see it from SCOTUS? First off, uh, I want to admire uh, the white nationalist with his Yiddish. Yes, yes, thank you. As, as I told Luke O'Brien from Huffington Post, uh, why do I hang out with Nazis? Have you tried the schnitzel? It's <laughs> <laughs> way better food. But, but, but in Luke O'Brien's defense, it was the pork schnitzel. 
Yes. Well, it was you know, a fortunate soul. My, my, I kicked out of Jewish day camp uh, when I was uh, young for the ham and cheese sandwich <laughs> debacle uh, of 1987. Uh, 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 <laughs> uh, not only do I think that they have the balls, uh, I just think, it, you know, my conceptual framework, they have to. This is their job is to adjudicate based on constitutional predicates. And these states busted through constitutional predicates. You and they ignored a SCOTUS order, Alito's order, to separate the ballots, to yeah, separate them. They never even adhered to that. Of course, you know, the stuff that'll come out, I mean, there are multiple counties and voting precincts in many of these states that they shredded the envelopes, they got rid of them, they burned them, because that's evidence. And th there's a better option value for them to destroy evidence on the shot that they might be able to keep the votes validated versus having to go back and prove that it is that it's dirty. And then they'd have to have it tossed. So, you know, when you when you hear of, you know, and I've spoken to people who are on the ground doing observation in places like Wisconsin, it's like they literally got rid of the envelopes so that you can't see the post date. And, you know, it's almost like uh, you're probably too young for uh, for uh, Family Matters and uh, Steve Urkel. But it's like, did I do that? Oops, was that was that not supposed to be done? You're supposed to keep the shit for seven years or something, or a minimum of three, depending on uh, district. Right. Well, they, they, they basically, I mean, my my biggest, what I'm pissed off with is that we started this fight so late where we should have been prepared. And when these Democrat leftist activist lawyers were going across the country, suing different states to change the rules due to COVID. So they got rid of, you know, the, the signature matching. They got rid of, uh, you know, witness requirements. They got rid of voter ID laws. They got rid of all the, 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 the security for these elections. Of Post the, states, months. the whole point was Post getting state. absentee ballots out there and then hoover them up. It's like... So I know a lot of like election law. But where were the Republican lawyers during the last 10 months to stop these, these rule changes? That's what I'm asking. Works. After the fact, you had lawyers for Trump and you had these RNC lawyers and then hired lawyers from like Jones Day and then some schlock firm in Pittsburgh who were all, you know, all their partners give to Dems. You know, I, I suggested that they should be going to King and Spaulding in D.C., where the uh, one of the partners is a former governor of Maryland, Bob Ehrlich. I mean, he's actually a Republican. Or go to uh, Devil Boys in Plimpton with Michael Mukasey, uh, Bush's uh, AG. Instead, yeah. they go to Jones Day, which is like hard left. You may as well go to Kirkland and Ellis or uh, or uh, White and Case or uh, or Challenger. They, I mean, they like, hired hacks. They and the RNC lawyers. They went down to. To, to Philly, yeah, but, but they were so just sitting on grass. I was working on plaintiff recruitment in Philly uh, right after the election and like vetting uh, vetting people's uh, testimonies and getting them to lawyers who were volunteering to fight these cases. And the consistent thing I was hearing from both potential plaintiffs as well as the lawyers who were lawyers for Trump who then broke off was like these people are just like, oh, we'll be home for Thanksgiving. Like they were just not even pretending to phone it in. They didn't right. care. Look, this is the same thing with Kemp, who, you know, I knew a little bit and I liked and I think he did a good job as secretary of state. I think that a lot of the Republican establishment, I know this is what's going on in New Hampshire, New Hampshire. We won New Hampshire easily. There was there was dirty. We flipped the state there. house there. How do we flip the state yeah, house yeah, no, 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 and lose right. so badly, lose by bigger margins than 16? It makes these no six, sense. These six well, 16, states, we won. These six states in dispute, I can add with conviction based on stats and discussions with people on the ground, voting patterns, what actually transpired in the, the election, analysis, et cetera. Yeah, all the all the different mosaic of uh, of information that we uh, uh, racial demo demographic breakdowns, all this stuff like New Mexico and Hispanic voting turnout. New yep. Mexico, we won. Virginia, we won. Minnesota, we won. Hennepin County is the same as the machines in Atlanta, Detroit, and Milwaukee and Philadelphia. Uh, that's been swinging Minnesota for fifteen years. Uh, as Hennepin County is Minneapolis, St. Paul. Uh, so. Virginia, New Mexico, New Hampshire, Colorado, 
Uh, we, those are five other states. Well, why are they being so conservative and narrowing their their basically their 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 focus to just a few states? I mean, target them all because you're probably going to lose some, but you'll win I'm, others. The, the bigger yeah. the net, the more you'll be end up catching. Doesn't work like that. You need to devote capacity of which there's limited amount to those where you have the most uh, uh, the most coherent and uh, and uh, fair. Re- the evidence you can put together. And here I'm going to tell you the dirty secret. They're out of money, dude. They've not, it, this shit costs like, there's a reason why they only did Dane County and Milwaukee County in Wisconsin. As opposed to, I mean, you know, I, now, I again, this, this comes back to a lot of the grifters on the campaign, a lot of the right. grifters in the RNC. They were fundraising like crazy the last four years. They should have had a massive legal fund ready. They should have been prepared. They should have been called with their pants down. I mean, there's a lot of unforced errors on our side because we're not fighting as as viciously as the left. And then we're always trying to we're always trying to make up ground last minute, and we're always fighting well, an uphill battle when we could have been fighting on even ground. The left is one team, one dream. They're legitimately intellectual and practical socialists. This is the way they see the worldview. It's why they can do uh, rent-a-mob so quickly because most of their rent-a-mob is volunteers. They're, they believe in their movement where we on the right are busy competing with one another because we're individualists, we're capitalists. There's libertarians and randians and classical oh, liberals who just want to be left the fuck alone. So, yeah. so it's a different mentality, and it's why we can't have nice things. I think things have gotten a little bit better with the populist surge taking over the right to some degree. And, Thank you know, God, that's yeah. Bannon, that's Trump. Uh, Hopefully that continues. But, yeah, no, it's not great. And, like, Wisconsin is a good example. But, yeah, it's still smart. You go to Dana and Milwaukee because that's where the, the ground zero thievery was. What about after 16, though? When we he, he had that commission with Kobach that was supposed to investigate the election fraud in 16, which happened. It just wasn't on higher – it wasn't in high gear because they were so arrogant that he yeah. wouldn't win. It, it, but it, had they had a consistent effort over the last four years to investigate this stuff? Because I'm sure we won New Hampshire in 16. I'm sure we won, you know, Nevada in 16 or Minnesota in 16. But we didn't yeah. – go aggressively when we had the levers of yeah. power again. Well, we, uh, I, I agree uh, to some degree. And by the way, 18 was when they really stole it. They tested ballot harvesting. Yep. They developed in Colorado about six or eight years ago, and they ran through the Republican districts. Now they had the, the quote unquote blue wave, right? We were an off election year. Trump was on the top of the ticket. There was some so, level of legitimate. So they drove back, yes, but they added on top of it with fraud. They drove turnout. We didn't, but they defrauded multiple, I think five or six Republican House districts in California and made the California caucus almost entirely Democrat. That was a test run of ballot harvesting. Hmm? Same in New York. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. Staten Island, right? Max Rose. Yeah. Uh, they, they played that game in 18 and then they put it on steroids in, in 2020. Uh, you know, but okay. Chris Kobach and voter election, uh, integrity commission would have been really good. But what about 2020 when we know what they're going to do COVID, you know, COVID pops its head up in March formally in this country. You see the stock market crack, you see, uh, they shut down everything to really no major effect, you know, 14 days to slow the spread my ass. Right. And by, you know, halfway through that 14 day period, they're already talking about how they have to restructure elections, which right. is we're going to print up absentee ballots. Nevada, Nevada, New Jersey passed legislative, passed statutes in the legislature for unsolicited ballot, uh, ballot send out. So everybody on the voter rolls. And in Nevada, that means people who aren't even living in state. They're people, Californians with second homes. Everybody where there's an address or a voter roll or a, a citizenship file, whether they they're dead or not. Students at universities from out of state, everybody not only gets one ballot, they get like five ballots. 
and they right. hoovered them all up. Clark County was, you know, ground zero in Nevada, just like Maricopa and Arizona. No and excuse. They, just sent them all to the voter rolls. Which all, then well, the, the voter rolls themselves are, are faulty and broken. Yeah, they're already faulty. But then if yeah. you do 2X what's on the voter rolls and absentee ballots, I mean, we have a, how many millions of stories do we need of people saying, I got 10 ballots to my no house? No evidence. There's no evidence. There's no evidence. That's all you hear. No matter what, how much evidence you provide, you know, is statistical, analytical. Yeah. Whatever it is, they'll never accept it. They're tampering with reality. Uh, it is a coup. It is decentralized in terms of uh, of the effect of the individual, but it's centralized in the the brain trust of the left. That's just is this a bigger steal than the 1960 election? Or yeah, I'm going to talk about 1960. It's much bigger, and I'll tell you why. He only needed a couple states. Kennedy needed a couple states. It hinged on I think it was 20 something electoral votes. 27. Like Illinois, West Virginia, a few others. Yeah, Illinois, West Virginia. It was only a few states uh, that was able to swing it. Illinois being the biggest one with 27 electoral votes. In 1960. But here's, uh, you know, I have a great story about Illinois is the headquarters of the Democrat state Democratic Party were in Chicago. And it was like a uh, war of attrition on who was going to report the Republicans or the Dems in the districts and the precincts all over the state. And the Republicans blinked. And late at night, 12, 12, 12 midnight, 1 a.m., uh, the headquarters, the, the, the media and the reporting of the Republican downstate districts uh, went live. And there was huge and it was a blowout. Nixon won a fucking blowout. He took like it was all the votes outside of the, uh, the Chicago metro, pretty much. Uh, there was huge cheers in the Chicago DNC headquarters. And one of somebody who documented this wrote a book about it 20, 20 years later, you know, some of the election guys talk about this, uh, this, this firsthand account in 1980, he wrote about it. huge cheers. And he turned to one of the, uh, one of the senior officials. He goes, why is everyone cheering? This is a huge number we have to overcome. He goes, yeah, but we know what we have to overcome now. We know how many right. votes we have to deliver. But here's why it's and that's and that's what they did in North Carolina. They tried to do it. You know, the spread narrowed to one and a half points. Trump won it by eight. In my view, Georgia, they did that. Pennsylvania, they did that. Wisconsin and Milwaukee. That's, why the, that's what they stopped counting. So they could see the margins. Of course, they waited for our votes to come in. When we got an election them. night, when we got an election night, for the most part, were the legitimate results. For the most part, they saw those numbers. They they made some more printing. They found more ballots and they closed the gaps where they needed to. Like you yep. said, they couldn't get away with it in North Carolina. But Georgia has always, always historically ran to the right of both North Carolina and Florida. In fact, yep. North Carolina was legitimately probably won by Obama in 08. Yep. So don't tell me, uh, no, don't tell me North Carolina, which has had just as many transplants move into North Carolina yep. as Georgia has. Don't tell me North Carolina. North Carolina is right of Georgia. It doesn't make North any sense. Car North Carolina is more purple than Georgia is red. Right. And by the way, uh, Trump's uh, historic uh, historic results with blacks and Hispanics. So you mean to tell me that uh, blacks and Hispanics uh, voted for Biden in excess of Obama in the machine city and Stacey Abrams voter fraud machine city, the four county metro of yep. Fulton, Gwinnett, DeKalb and not Cobb. Absolute bullshit. So North Bell Carolina, Weather. they tried to won one bellwether. Biden won one bellwether county out of, I believe it's like 18 or 17 or something. Trump won every bellwether and he still lost. And yeah, he yeah. still lost. Doesn't make any sense. You look at the historical data. Doesn't make any sense. Obviously. It, it's obviously a coup. I mean, look at the correlations. I was speaking to Ken Blackwell, who was the former Secretary of State of Ohio, his conservative uh, sort of luminary, great guy. And he was uh, Secretary of State of Ohio. And we talked about this a few weeks ago in D.C. And he said that you do a historical uh, correlation and overlay on uh, Cleveland and Milwaukee. 
And it's like perfectly correlated. And Cleveland went exactly as you'd expect a Rust Belt city that's been hollowed out by globalism and Joe Biden's China policy versus what Trump has done on fracking, on bringing jobs back, on manufacture, on taxes, on working with, you know, the the union Rust Belt uh, workforce. Uh, They are very, very supportive of him. Uh, So. The fact Milwaukee showed up with like 105 percent of its voter registrants uh, voting for Biden in almost near unanimity. Yeah, obviously it's bullshit. While Trump won Kenosha and and flipped the uh, the uh, driftless area and held everything. And and Trump did worse in Minnesota than he did in uh, 2016. No way. BS. They pushed it too far. These aren't even believable. And there's there's no legitimacy. I mean, this shows you how desperate they must be because they're willing to sacrifice all their legitimacy and willing to sacrifice. No, 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 no. no. You're you're being naive about that. They don't think they're sacrificing legitimacy. They've got the mechanisms and tools to create the big lie, to perpetrate the big fraud, to coerce the outcome, because they've got the two two greatest mechanisms of tampering with reality. Big media and big tech. Big media setting the narrative, big tech distributing the narrative and stifling the counter narrative. Yep. That's what they're doing. And yep. this is why this is the most, this is a, this is a technocratic coup mm-hmm. that is being perpetrated by unions like the postal service unions, yep. uh, by big media, the newsrooms, Jeff Zucker and crowd, uh, by big tech, Jack Dorsey and Zuckerberg and what they're doing on Facebook and Twitter and, and Google and YouTube. Uh, I mean, this is scary stuff. We are in an Orwellian coup. We have been attacked in uh, September 11th and December 7th, 1941. But nothing like this. This is the worst coup, the worst attack mm-hmm. America has ever had. It is the minority left. So it's like they're not the majority of this country. That's why they have to coerce an outcome like this. They're the minority, mm-hmm. and they are trying to coerce a coup technocratically through these collusive, coercive mechanisms, big tech, big media. So what's the, what, what are the next steps now? Where do we go from here? I mean, do you, what do you think happens January 20th? I've heard theories that people have said that it'll take about a year for us to uncover what's really going on. And then a year into the Biden administration, that's when uh, the, the ex, it'll all be exposed. Or there'll be a constitutional Look, We crisis. were on War Room talking about this in August that and September. Remember when 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 Steve Bannon came to uh, uh, the WNRC and did that yeah. event and he said, here's what's going to happen. They are going to drop absentee ballots. And we didn't even know about the degree of mechanized digital coercion, Dominion. I mean, I want uh, to talk about Dominion after. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah, I've been doing a lot of work on that. And it's as bad as every tinfoil hat conspiracy theorist on Twitter or or into the social media sphere says it is that bad. It is a, it is created out of uh, Hugo Chavez uh, network in Venezuela to win. Venezuela. I found articles from HuffPo in 2010 talking about yeah. Smartmatic purchasing Dominion. Yeah. Sequoia companies. I mean, it's. I mean, that we have the way back machine. We yeah. internet. We could see both mainstream outlets and left wing outlets reporting on the connections between Dominion, their holding company, and Venezuela, and these and these shady foreign governments. Yeah. I mean, it's all been there. Yeah, now yeah, all of a sudden, denying reality. They worked a uh, uh, an an intellectual property and asset transfer through Curacao. You know what goes through Curacao? The Venezuelan state-owned enterprise funds that uh, that are aren't bolted down. They go out the back door and they get cleaned and scrubbed in Curacao, and then moved around the world: Switzerland, Canada, U.S., Miami. Uh, so I mean, this shit's so dirty. It's it's, and I think it all comes out in SCOTUS. I think the Kraken shall be released, and. 
it's going to be interesting to see the uh, the calisthenics and uh, mental gymnastics. Why don't they impound these machines? Why don't they impound these machines? See, they're connected to the internet. See about the fractional voting Maybe algorithms have. that they ran through. Maybe they have. Uh, Gavin Wax, you and I are not privy to everything that goes on behind the scenes. I'm privy to most of it. You're privy uh, to like almost none of it. But thank you. But regardless, we're not privy to all of it. So. Okay, look, I, I, I appreciate your optimism. I hate doomers. I like to keep up the fight, but hopefully we expose Dominion. But I cut you off before Dominion. Where were we, where were we going with that? We, um, um, we oh, drifted. Oh, the, well, the, where uh, it goes from here. Yeah, where it goes from well, here. Well, the first, next steps. You know, the types of evidence and, you know, the stuff we're talking about, the statistics and the stuff ballots and the guy from Lan- who drove uh, 250,000 or so votes to Lancaster and Harrisburg and then his trailer disappeared. I mean, there's a lot of stuff to investigate. But what's where County Georgia showed that their algorithm and the uh, the machine was overweighting Biden votes and underweighting Trump votes, 0.87 to 1.13. And they, they, they ran that multiple times to, to reinforce it. It's evidence the media will never report, obviously. Uh, but what's going to be interesting is the calisthenics that CNN, New York Times, The Washington Post, Daily Beast, Natasha Bertrand at uh, Business Insider, uh, all these bullshit artists and frauds, what they do when they, you know, this goes to SCOTUS and evidence starts getting put in the highest court of the land. Will they just say, they'll probably just go on the tack and say, no, no, these are hard right activist judges. They have no legitimacy. Well, constitutionally, they've got legitimacy because Trump was elected and he appointed them. And they got passed informed cons- uh, to informed consent w- through the Senate. So they are benched legitimately. They're on the federal bench and they're associate justice. Supreme well, what's the timeline then? Because we only have, what, a month and a half? Uh, I mean, this has to be I, quickly. I Monday we will get a definitive uh, ruling from SCOTUS on proceeding with the case. That's what I believe. So I actually bought, I just bought puts on the Russell and for your uh, 10, 10, uh, 10 uh, viewers here. That, uh, hey, we broke back. That, that is not a correct counter, and it doesn't matter because this is just the live stream. We oh. we, we upload this later. This is oh, still okay. a podcast. Oh, thank goodness. Um, uh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I bought puts uh, today. Uh, in fact, I may add to the position. we got half an hour left uh, on the market because the market's so establishment. It's so hewing to the media narrative that they're just, you know, every everything is ignorance is bliss. But imagine the volatility with the whole world set up, the whole Western world. I'm speaking to my friends in Europe. And they're like, oh, it's over, right? It's over. Said we. This is what we've been predicting since August that they're going to print absentee ballots and then they're going to stuff them and then they're going to. We didn't even realize the degree that the machinery was going to be uh, fixed. Um, yes. and the fix would be in this way. Uh, so we predicted this that this would have to go through an adjudication mechanism uh, yeah. and constitutional remedy. I, the way I see it, there's four constitutional remedies, and the Supreme Court can rule. My, I believe, likely. Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, they will rule the uh, the the statutory guidelines being created uh, uh, almost in a monarchical way out of the executive branch when it's clearly in the state constitutions, as it would be in the federal uh, to go through the legislative branch. And so there was a giant constitutional breach. And if the state Supreme Court refuses to adjudicate that and fix that and remedy that, then it's up to the the, up to SCOTUS. They have to adjudicate that uh, and dispose of it along constitutional uh, frameworks. Uh, so I believe they will rule in that favor. I don't know if they just nullify, you know, the absentee votes that were breaching legislative guideline. Uh, I think that is on on the table. So they may just say, you know what, uh, the vote st- the vote can stand as it is because it would be a pragmatic impossibility to accurately recount or redo, rehold the election. But they may stand with the legislatures and say, slate your own electors to vote for 
in favor of the legislative. But thing. then we still need the we still need the legislatures to have a backbone, even if SCOTUS, you know, we reaffirms. I mean, they don't need the SCOTUS to reaffirm the legislature's ability to appoint these electors. We just need the legislatures to have a backbone. Yes, yes, and but they would have a lot more cover with the SCOTUS ruling. Uh, the as DeRoy Murdoch, our mutual uh, friend, and, saw him last night for his birthday. Oh yeah, I was I was I was on the road. I didn't get back till super late. Uh, but anyway, uh, he says, as he says, the left are evil monsters, and I I tend to agree. Uh, look at what they did in uh, in Wayne County with the uh, board of canvassers. Uh, it was a two two deadlock. Yeah, threatened them, and then they threatened them. They doxed them. The kids were getting beat up at school. They're you know they're they're a step away from firebombing their houses, and then you know they rehold the vote after the deadlock, and it's one side with the Dems and one abstains, and boom, they got their canvas certification. Insane. I mean, we're and, and and these morons claim that they're the ones fighting fascism. It's absolutely unreal. But my last question before we conclude is: What if what if you're wrong? What if we're wrong? And what if you know Biden is inaugurated on January twentieth? I mean, where do we go from there? I go to Florida. Okay. Uh, I, uh, I I can't obviously be in New York. I mean, between I hate New York and the tax policy and the Southern District and the political policy it's just it's horrific but what if i mean you think florida will will be the bulwark against them i mean do you really think they'll i may, stop spend, at the more, border? I may spend more time in europe maybe i'll finally do aliyah and get to israel uh there you go uh it, it, it won't be pretty uh now look biden won't last long kamala harris will be looking every doorknob in uh in dc and then coughing in the oval to give him covid uh she's pretty but even then i mean even then it gets only worse if it gets she's worse. Yeah, yeah, it gets worse. Yeah. Look, I, I think the American experiment's over uh, because it would prove that a coup, an internal coup, could not only occur, it could get cover by the by corrupt plutocrats and democracy. So we're a constitutional republic that uses democracy, democracy. power. We're not a pure yeah. democracy because democracy, and this is what the left has been has been trying to create, is abolish the electoral college, stack the bench, uh, open the borders, make it a sieve, and get uh, Democrat voters in with welfare transfers, with that yeah. as an incentive payment. Uh, so they've wanted a democracy. I mean, that's how you get power, but that's not how you sustain a society. I mean, they could, they very well could get power, but the whole the, what they're what they will be ruling over will be a collapsed, balkanized, uh, yeah. destitute society. So I mean, you know, they well, better they better consider what they wish. Look, you you know my family history. My father was uh, was an anti-communist yeah. dissident in Poland, and I you know one of the reasons I was so depressed as after the election was not because of the steel. We saw that shit coming a mile away. It was the collusion among the plutocrats of society who claimed to be for social justice, who were willing to lie to everybody, piss on everyone's head, and tell them it's raining, and then throttle and censor and engage in a level of corruption the world and Western civilization has never seen. I mean, the pernicious decentralized corruption of the plutocrats and the technocrats is just incredible. And that's depressing to me because I'd watch my father's, you know, he wrote a diary in 1954 and he would talk about, you know, Pravda and how the, uh, the, the, the Soviet mechanisms of information, you know, the newspapers, the media, the, the politicians would say, you know, record industrial output and agricultural output. Meanwhile, you couldn't get a razor, a toothbrush or a, or, right. or, or a head of lettuce. Right. Uh, the only thing you get was onions and vinegar. I mean, uh, isn't this all what that uh, that Soviet, that other Soviet uh, dissident, yeah. uh, the other guy Yuri Bezmenov or oh, whatever, Bezmenov, who, yeah, information yeah, warfare, yeah, yeah. who talked about it—the demoralization, the subversion of society, yep. these elites turning on them. I mean, it's all by the playbook. I mean, that's how they're, they're, uh, we haven't fired a single weapon, but this country is collapsing. Yeah, no, it's frightening. Uh, so if we don't, if we don't actually prove, uh, look. Uh, Big believer philosophically that the one consistent thing in the human condition as we socialized was the need for justice. 
if we do not have justice here, when the majority of the country, they'll run some polls accurately, some not, uh, and they'll run out, oh, no, uh, you're a tinfoil hat wearing conspiracy, seditious, treasonous uh, uh, wacko if you say there was an election fraud. I mean, we, we've seen there's enough evidence out there. There's enough legislative hearings with credible firsthand testimony, uh, prima facie, more than circum, beyond circumstantial, uh, that we know that something's rotten in the state of Denmark. Something stinks to high hell here. Uh so the trust in the system erodes and the lack of justice delivered will be it'll be irreparable to our democratic republic. Yeah. Democracy will cease to cease to matter. So I think then, you know, and this is what the left wants. They ultimately want you and me in gulags and uh, everybody feeding off the government teat and socialism par excellence. Uh, and then they'll 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 reign. Uh, they'll reign supreme in the hell they've created. Yeah, well. Let's hope that doesn't it doesn't come to that. But uh, Matt, I want to thank you for coming on the uh, Waxcast. I'll give you the last word. Please let us know uh, where we can follow you and uh, stay in touch. Uh, until I go underground uh, at uh, at Twitter, Matthew Termond, whatever you know, I'm, I'm easily found if you want to find me or not. Don't care. Whatever. Okay. Well, that was times, but we're going to do well next week, and that's when that's when things start getting. Uh, that's what, and that's when martial law comes because of the riots. Look, bring them on. If they want to resort to violence, I know Agreed. our side has the weapons. That's the only way we're going to reach somebody another uh, equilibrium in society. Somebody asked me from, I forget which country, somewhere in Europe, I did an interview about this. And uh, they said, well, is it worth a civil war? And I said, absolutely, fuck yes. Absolutely. Yeah, this is the barometer of a civil war. Just like 1861. It was a it was a breach of the Federation that was America uh, when the Confederacy seceded. And yep. that was worth fighting over to create a more perfect union. We did. Uh, and the left will try and dissolve anything that is constitutional and correct, morally correct, uh, yep. and politically correct. So the only difference between now and then is, you know, back then at least both sides, uh, you know, were, were were fighters and they both were willing to fight. I mean, our side is the one that's armed. And, yeah, well, that's uh, you know, I mean, look, uh, look, they've got a very, they've got a great, uh, you know, level of brown shirts. They've got a, a youthful engagement of nihilists and Antifa and people who don't wash, uh, who are violent, but there's not huge numbers in that. Their huge numbers are, what are they going to throw soy at us? Or, right. you know, and even, even in their numbers, they're not, you know, at an individual basis. I mean, these are not intimidating people. They're only intimidating in numbers. I mean, you know, you take a thousand Antifa, you put them up against a hundred militiamen. I mean, it won't be yeah. pretty and it won't be yeah. pretty for Antifa. Yeah, well, well, I agree. And like, what's his face? Neckbeard from, uh, from last week. Uh, yes. like, I mean, guys like this. Yeah, exactly. The unwashed masses. But anyway, Matt, thank you for joining. This has been a great uh, episode, episode seven. We'd love to have you back on again on the Waxcast. Everyone stay tuned for a new episode coming soon.